Good evening, Radio Land. This is Max Sanders doing podcast number five. And today I learned that there's this rule in public speaking. It's called the 738-55 rule, which, I mean, it seems like obscure numbers. They picked off a really strange roulette wheel. But it means that they did a study in the 1970s where when it came to public speaking, people cared 7% about what people were actually saying, 38% about the tone of voice, and 55% about the body language, about the person who was conveying the point. So since I have no body language, because this is just an audio podcast, I'm just going to add that to the tone, and I'm just going to speak ultra-confidently, because apparently it doesn't matter what you say, it's how you say it. And if you don't believe me, look at who is president right now. Zing. So I decided to pick the easiest, like the closest to the ground piece of fruit that I could pluck. And being a fan of Sports Center and all those talk radio shows, the easiest topic, you know, the kind of starter for anybody is the Michael Jordan versus LeBron James debate which has been done to death for, I don't know, 10 years. So let's get my take on it because I played basketball in middle school. So I'm an expert, obviously. And uh, I just have to say that I, have, I think LeBron is by far the better player and is the person I would want to start a franchise with if I owned a team, which someday I will when I sell these podcasts for $30 billion, which, you know, it's a low number, but you got to start small and you got to believe in yourself. But when I do that, you know, I'll buy the Celtics and I'll have my dad run pro scouting and I'll have Obama be my coach. Because, I mean, I think all the players think about it. It's actually, that was off the top of my head, but if you think about it, the coaches in the NBA kind of get no respect anymore. If the star player doesn't like them, bam, you know, the coach is fired. So I think the players would respond to having Barack Obama as a professional basketball coach, no matter what he said. And I think he'd be just jazz because he seems like he wants, he's like, he wanted to be an athlete and it just didn't happen for him. So he's like a closeted, he wants to be in the sports world. I think if you made him the offer, I think, Obama would do it. And how cool would that be? People would come to the games just to see your coach. So double win. So no one steal that. That's patent pending. Trademark. <clears throat> but uh, anyways, LeBron. So I just got finished watching that Michael Jordan last dance documentary. And we all Id idolize Michael Jordan because the six for six in the NBA championships, you know, that's always – the kind of mic drop uh, no one can compare because when he was in the championship games, he won. But you got to get there to actually win. And LeBron's been to nine, I believe. And yes, he's only won three. But he's had some really shitty uh, supporting cast over the years. Like he dragged the corpse of a Cleveland Cavs team with, Andre, with a Varejao. I think it was Mo Williams, Booby Gibson. And just, I don't think there was a single, all, uh, Larry Hughes, there was just not a single all-star on that team, and he took them to the finals. And Michael, the only times he went to the finals, he had 
one of the top 10 players in the league at the time, always Scotty Pippen and the top defensive player and rebounder and Dennis Rodman in his last three championships or just the perfect third man, Horace Grant in the 90 to 93 championships or 91 to 93 championships. And he got to take two years off to play baseball, which, you know, rest your body. He didn't have to do the full uh, seasons at that point. So, and plus you have to think about it this way. I mean, LeBron's on year 17 or 18, I believe. And Jordan just had uh, 13 years. So every year that LeBron keeps going, who, I mean, do you want 13 scoops of ice cream or do you want 18 scoops of ice cream with the hope of having more? Like if you just have the 13, that's all you're getting. I mean, that's a terrible analogy for, for ice cream at one sitting. That'd be probably, you'd probably have a diabetic coma at that point, but I'm saying if you're saving in your house and you're going to eat it over a long period of time and you really like ice cream, I should come up with a better analogy because that is not, no one, no one's tantalized by 18 scoops of ice cream, unless you're like four years old and you're just, you have no idea what proportions are or uh, self-control. So, or maybe you're a really fat person then, or, you know, you work at Baskin and Robbins. There's a few examples, but I can come up with a better analogy at some point. So midway through this podcast, I'll interrupt and think of a better 13 to 18 and the 18 having the possibility of more. I'll think, I'll think of a better analogy than that. <laughs> but for now, we're going with ice cream, Rocky Road, which eh, I'm not a fan of Rocky Road, actually. I don't know. I've, I kind of go for the baseline of what people would like, even though no one else is listening to this. So I don't know who I'm trying to appease. I would go French vanilla and I had French vanilla gelato. Just get the air out of there. I want it nice and dense, but LeBron. So 18 years in the league, still healthy, still moving along, probably has five to six more years and probably has a shot at championship this year as well with Anthony Davis, the number one seed uh, in the West. And, you know, that could be championship number four. And, so watching the last dance, like I was saying, they're talking about Michael Jordan being kind of this psychotic competitor that pushed everyone around him to work as hard as humanly possible. So that, you know, because he was the one who was also working that hard, he'd finish, you know, the suicides and the running drills and he'd work harder than everybody. So no one could justify not working as hard as him because he was pushing them that way. But he also got in a bunch of fights with his teammates. He punched Steve Kerr in the face. He punched, I think, Bill Wellington. He got a couple coaches fired. And he was just, you know, consumed by winning, which, you know, it's fun in a documentary or in kind of a pie-in-the-sky what-if sense to have this serial killer playing basketball. But do you really want to play with a guy like that? I mean. Do you really want someone who's so mono-focused on winning at everything that he's just a misery to be around unless he gets to where he wants to be? So, I mean, LeBron seems more of a team guy. He seems more – he's a, you know, a pass-first. He's a creator. He's one of the best passers probably ever. I think top three, it's him, Magic – in terms of creativity, uh, him, Magic Johnson – and when you want to do Pete Maravich, but Pete Maravich was kind of a shooter. I mean, he was just a 
he was just a freak. He was just a Harlem Globetrotter. Man, if Pete Maravich was playing nowadays, my God, the world would have a heart attack. I mean, the guy averaged 42 points his senior year at LSU, and he had all those trick shots. I mean, he was just basically – he was the most skilled NBA player when it came to just being able to throw the ball up and having it go in. And kind of a fancy fashion, you know, could do sky hooks from like half court and all. And plus he had a giant Jufro and sideburns and really weird kind of personal life. I think he was into painkillers and bad knees. I don't know. It just sounds, he sounds like a sports movie. And they, there was a good sports movie about him back in the nineties. I think it was about his dad training him too hard. But anyways, LeBron's a great passer. Fantastic. And he just kind of makes everyone around him better. And he doesn't seem, I mean, he, he learned to be a clutch player kind of in the spotlight and we crushed him when against the Dallas Mavericks in 2011, he just fell to pieces in the finals. And there's no excuse for that. I think he had four points in one of the games and just looked, you know, like a shell of himself during the game, but he learned from the experience and came back and, you know, won two championships in Miami, came back to Cleveland, won one there. And he almost, I feel like if in 2017, if they won game one where he had 50 points and was like the most dominant Goliath against, you know, the greatest team probably ever, that if his, if J.R. Smith hadn't had a brain fart and called a timeout, I think they would have won that first game and they would have had the momentum to possibly beat Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson. Draymond Green, and who's the third? Wait, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Kevin, Stephen Curry. Yeah, obviously. But uh, that's another thing. LeBron, I mean, he didn't play great teams, really. I mean, no, LeBron has played great teams. I take that back. You know, he played one of the greatest teams in history and beat them with the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors. And who did Jordan beat? He beat a Sonics team that had kind of a wild Sean Kemp and an over-arrogant Gary Payton, not much else. He beat a Suns team with Charles Barkley, who was great, but wasn't ever really a clutch guy and kind of choked under pressure. He beat some tough Indiana teams that were, you know, kind of built sturdy throughout, but Reggie Miller wasn't a superstar. He wasn't, you know, a top three player, an MVP player ever. The Nick teams that beat him up, you know, Patrick Ewing had bad knees and Everyone else was kind of G League or second-round pick players, Anthony Mason, John Starks. These weren't high-quality, you know, all-time teams he was taking down. And LeBron has had to take on some serious teams over the years. He had to take on a team with three Hall of Famers in a year, in a league that doesn't normally have three Hall of Famers. And he took down the Celtics with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett, who messed with him you know, at first and really, you know, gave him shit and fouled him hard and kind of shook his confidence. And he came back and kind of said, fuck you and beat them down when he was with the heat. And, you know, it's similar to Jordan and how the Pistons did the same to him and he came back stronger. So there are some similarities because these are one and two in the great, in the greatest argument. You're not going to argue one's terrible and one's, you know, a god they're both they both have their you can always argue the other side but i feel like lebron i mean first of all physically he's 6'8 
260 to 280, give or take. And he can run off, you know, he's probably the fastest guy on the court. And Jordan was 6'6", 215, give or take. And, you know, I think LeBron is just, he's a monster comparison. I mean, you basically take the skill set of Magic Johnson and you put it in Carl Malone and you have LeBron James. And you, bring, you kind of sprinkle in like Sean Kemp and Wilt Chamberlain's freakish athleticism. And that's what you have. So, and you've had copies of Jordan, like Kobe did a Jordan impression, you know, the scowling six foot six solo ISO ball kind of guy. And Dwayne Wade is kind of in that same vein. I don't think there's ever going to be another LeBron. I mean, someone that is that tall, that fast, that freakishly durable too. He never gets hurt. I don't think, I mean, outside of the, first Lakers season when he missed three or four months with that groin tear. Uh, he's been completely healthy for 18 years, which is, I mean, he's a cyborg. It's just, it's almost like if you ripped off his skin, it'd be like Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh, Terminator 2, where you see all the freaky metal hands and, you know, metal devices in LeBron. He probably is a robot on some level. They probably put some nanobots in him or some kids controlling him with a drone controller. Or, I mean, maybe he's from the future. Who knows? But that durability and the fact that he can just keep going. I mean, Jordan was exhausted after the third, first third, I mean, the first three-peat. And he probably would have taken a break from basketball anyways, even if uh, he didn't uh, have the baseball thing going. He just was done. And then after the next three, he retired again and came back with the Wizards and wasn't half the man. He was. I mean, he could still turn on and, you know, score 50 once in a while, but he didn't lead that team to any victories. And LeBron kind of has always taken mediocre talent around him and brought them up. And I don't feel like Jordan – I mean, Jordan. Jordan's the kind of the lion tamer. He's kind of like whipping people from the back to influence them to bring out their greatness. LeBron wants the team to – be kind of cohesive and be uh be friends and be you know trust each other rather than they don't one leads by fear one leads by love and i've always found in basketball it's a team game and the best results are from when everybody kind of respects and enjoys playing with each other you look at how magic johnson was infectious with the lakers in the 80s and they won five championships or bird was a you know uh, just an incredible passer and a great teammate. And they won three championships in the eighties. You look at the great teams and it's like, they still have this bond and they still just relish the fact that they were on those teams. And during the Jordan documentary, you kind of tell there was this twinge of just annoyance from everyone who, uh, everyone who played with Michael Jordan because he was a tyrant and he could be because he was that great. I think true power is when you can you can look down and be negative towards those below you, but you choose not to. You choose every, to try, treat everyone as equally and as fairly as you can. That's that's what gets my respect, and that's those are the people that I want to follow. And I think generationally, too, I think if Michael Jordan was in the 2020 NBA, I think if he tried these tactics, one, the media would rip him apart more so than they did back then. 
But I think a lot of the teammates would just say, fuck it. And be like, get me off this team. I want to be fucking traded. I don't think people would take that shit nowadays. And I think it's not a fun way to exist. I don't, I've never been in a workplace where the, you know, really type A focused, doesn't give a fuck about your feelings, but wants results out of you. That doesn't build camaraderie and that doesn't build, you know, a trust in people. And yeah, the results when you're winning, it kind of fixes all the other problems, but I don't see how someone could do that nowadays and have the teammates keep their sanity, especially with how things leak. I don't think they'd be able to keep everything as close to the vest about how terrible and uh, just kind of mean. He was kind of a bully to everybody. And plus, I mean, when I grew up, I was, I'll confess, though, I was a tall guy. So I liked my centers. I liked my Kevin McHale's, Robert Parrish's. Uh, Kim Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson, Patrick Ewings. I liked the big guys. And because back then, if you had the number one pick, no matter where you were drafting or why, you wanted to take the seven-footer because that's what you built your team around. And as the game became more perimeter with Jordan, uh, the big guy kind of got pushed to the side. So I still take offense to that because I like my back-to-the-basket dunking up and under fake kind of basketball and while LeBron isn't that he's definitely more of a force he's you know built like a power forward and when he wants to post up you know he can take anyone to school and I've always thought it's almost been Jordan's influence on the game and on LeBron that he didn't want to be a post-up player he wanted to be you know the wing guy that was the best player in the league but I feel like he could have probably won another championship or two if he learned to just have a crazy, you know, up fakes and, you know, drop steps and all that kind of stuff. I feel like if he embraced that, you know, four or five times a game, get an extra 10 points in, I feel like he could have already had five, four or five championships. But I guess, I mean, that was the influence of Michael Jordan and how he affected the game. I mean, he was a singular force, but I don't, I don't root for a singular force. Why, why root for a force when you can root for a team? It's just better to have someone who wants to work with other people, and that's what LeBron is. And, I mean, if you want to talk about the personal side, I mean, we're, we are talking greatest basketball player, but we are talking, like, societal influence. LeBron's outspoken about political issues and uh, societal injustices. And, you know, he started his own school where he gets – troubled kids through middle school and high school and on to college. And Jordan was a guy who said Republicans buy shoes too and didn't want to say a single thing because he thought it would mess up his, uh, his Jordan brand, you know, multi-billion dollar shoe company. So I want my heroes like Muhammad Ali outspoken. I want them, you know, loud. I want Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I want social activism, Bill Russell, people that fight and strive for the betterment of humanity, not just another few points on their stock, you know, in their stock portfolio. So that's definitely another difference between the two of them. Plus Jordan had terrible style and that was the nineties, but he wore these giant suits that looked like he was wearing his dad's clothes and like the jackets on his suits were down to his knees 
and it was just like three sizes too big. It's like he was playing dress up as like a 1920s like zoot suit gangster. And it was just very confusing. And while LeBron has some laughable moments in his fashion too, like when he wore shorts with a madman kind of suit, but his fashion's pretty on point. And he's just kind of very tailored and very hip and willing to try a lot of new things. And if I had a, if there was a fashion uh, tug of war between the two of them, I think LeBron would pull Jordan across quite quickly. Plus Jordan, after the NBA, decided to wear the Hitler mustache, which, I mean, it didn't work for Hitler even. He almost took over the world. And now it's associated with genocide and the Holocaust. And he decides, hey, you know what? It's a good idea. You know what's a great move after uh, an NBA career? Like, let me associate myself with Hitler. Like Adolf Hitler. I mean, can you pick a worse person? I mean, I guess if he's going for the Charlie Chaplin, but once someone does something like that, it's kind of hard to disassociate. Like, if he bleaches skin white, I would think, oh, you're doing the Michael Jackson. Don't do any, got a bunch of nose surgeries and, you know, had a jerry curl. It's like, no, don't do that. You're going to associate with Michael Jackson, who's the strangest guy ever. Or if you get a face tattoo, I'm going to think Mike Tyson. So just Michael Jordan, I want to know why. Has anyone asked him that? Like, why did he decide to have the world's smallest mustache that's related to, you know, World War II and mass killings? I don't know. Just a very peculiar choice for a very peculiar dude. Like, LeBron seems, he's corny sometimes, but he seems like a normal grounded guy, which is insane to think about because he was raised by a single mom in a very, very poor socioeconomic background. I mean, he moved from house to house, living with different people. Uh, I think he lived in 13 different houses, like with 13 different families as he was growing up. And Jordan lived in, you know, two parent household, you know, bunch of brothers and sisters, smart, dedicated uh, family members who kind of showed him the way. And he was taught by Dean Smith, probably the greatest basketball uh instructor in the college level of that time and he had a bunch of role models lebron had nothing and somehow he's i don't think there's been a single scandal there's never there's not a michael jordan gambling scandal or there's not a um there's not a like partying all the time like michael uh would go to the casinos because he couldn't sleep i mean lebron is squeaky clean as they come he's a family guy he just he goes to his son's basketball games and he has Taco Tuesdays, which are the corniest Instagram videos I've ever seen. But it makes me laugh that he's kind of decided I'm going to be a role model for, you know, an entire generation. And he's taken that burden on his shoulders and taken it seriously. And he's never kind of – he's never disappointed us in a personal way or let us down. It's something to strive for and believe in. Although, I mean – when he went to Miami, I mean, that's the only thing you could say. When he went to Miami and he made that choice and it hurt Cleveland fans, he still made, with his announcement, he raised $4 million for the Boys and Girls clubs. So even when he fucks up, he's still doing, like, great things for society. So I can't think of, you know, what really Jordan did that was so humanitarian or kind of beneficial to society. 
And also, you look at LeBron's numbers over the years, he averages around 27 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists. Jordan, when he kind of came into his championship form, his assists and uh, rebounds were never really above 5 or 6. He was more of a 30, 35-point scorer, volume scorer. So he shot like 35, 36 times a game. And it just – he wasn't as much of an all-around player as – as LeBron is because LeBron can, you know, chase people down with the, with the chase down blocks. He can make the perfect pass. It's good three point shooter actually. And he learned how to do that over the years. And he's, you know, he can play point guard, which Jordan never did. And he can play all five positions, which Jordan definitely couldn't do or guard the biggest guy on the court. Or if he needed to LeBron's guarded Derek Rose during a playoff game, you know, six foot one lightning quick point guard. That wasn't what Jordan was assigned to do. And so LeBron's Swiss Army knifeness uh, quality kind of just puts him in a league by himself. So give me LeBron all day. I mean, I've actually convinced myself even more now talking about it. I just, I want my superstar to be, you know, a jack of all trades and willing to learn things. He, and, uh, socially responsible and just an overall good guy. So that's my rant. And that's why LeBron's awesome. So team LeBron all the way. And I know. No, that that's all I got to say. <laughs> Speak with confidence. Don't. I, I, sometimes I try to argue the other side. Fuck that. Why don't I argue the other side? It just, I feel like I should give everyone a fair shake, but you know, tone, confidence, body language. doesn't matter what you say. It matters how you say it. So I'm saying it loud and clear. LeBron is the best NBA player, period. So there.